0: Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, good morning Trinity Community Church, how are you doing today? Good. It's good to see so many smiling faces, I'm Pastor TJ and the lead guy here. Uh, before we get rolling, I got a couple things that are just, just beating in my heart. Um, you know, Christine has been, she is one of us. So the way this works biblically, how many of you want to be biblical? Right? We want to be biblical until we read the words. And we're like, that's tough, Pastor TJ, right? This is biblically how it looks like, what it looks like when we send people. When you look at finances from a church, you've got two things. We mush them together, but they're really not made to be together. You've got tithes and you have offerings. The tithes come into the storehouse. That's the 10% that comes in to do the stuff that we do here. Now, just so you know, as a church... We do something that's unique that not a lot of churches do. We tithe 10% of our tithe, whatever money we give in, and we send that to missions as a church. Church is not, you know, they're, they're not obligated to do that, but we do that because missions is close to our heart. The second thing that we do, we look at is our offerings. What is our offering? Your offering is that thing that God puts on your heart that's above and beyond your tithe to send, to do the work of the kingdom. Christina is part of the work of the kingdom. She is one of ours, beloved. And it's our job, again, as a church, to get behind the vision that God has put in, our, in her heart and to get her to where she needs to go. I can tell you this. I've only known Christina for two years. She's one of the most humble, uh, broken servants I think I've ever met. She's one of those behind-the-scenes people. Even getting her up here, Did you see she was like standing over there in the darkness? I'm going, Christina, get into the light. Right? Get into the light so we can see you. Right? So I want you to pray. And whatever God tells you to give to help her to get to where she needs to go to Japan, let's take a little little thing from from Nike. Just do it. Don't question it. Just do it. There's no gain except to reach a people group where less than 1% has heard the good news of Christ. I don't think we have a frame for that. We have so many churches here, less than 1%. So I want you to pray and I want you to do that, okay? Can you do that for me? We're going to practically do that right now. Just shut your eyes for a second. Talk to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to you just like He speaks to me. And ask Him, say, Lord, what would you have me give? Whatever He speaks to you, just do it. Can you do that, beloved? All right. I was lost happy already. Everybody, look at me. You're like pastor. This is so it's so warm, and you know it's it's warm and comfy in here, but not sleeping comfy. Drop that temperature. Let's get it cool in here, right? It's good to see everybody here. Uh, welcome everybody that's joining us online. It's good to have you all as part of uh, community Trinity Community Church. A Little tongue-tied. I'm still a little tired from the event last week. How many of you last week got to enjoy and engage in Family Fest? Yeah. Family Fest was simply amazing. Now, um, I mean, we saw thousands here. Pastor Tricia had had talked about that. We had over about 160 serve team members. That's you and me working here to love our community. Amazing. And if you just happened to miss the event, to bring you up to speed, take a look at this. Guys, you knocked it out of the park. You showed extravagant love. Story after story after story is coming in on how you loved your community well. We don't just tell people about Jesus. We show them the way to Christ by how we love, by the things that we say, by the things that we do. How many of you know that no vision is bigger than God? Yeah. Amen. He is the, the seed of the dream. And part of this for us is, again, understanding what God wants to do with our community. And again, when we first started talking about doing stuff like this a couple years ago, you can't talk about this stuff and ask, not ask the question, well, how, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to get this thing done? Who's going to do it? Who's going to work it? Do you know anybody that has got the spiritual gift of figuring out why something's not going to work? How many of you possess that gift? (laughs) I do. How many of you know that if God calls you to do something, it's his obligation to figure out how to get it done? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Money is no object for God. Manpower is no object for God. I am totally convinced of this. If God wants something done, if we don't step up and do it, he sends his angels down just get it done. Let's just get it done. But for some crazy reason, he chose to pour his love out on this planet through you, through me. He gave us the great privilege of partnering with him. And whatever God asks us to do, again, he gives us more than what we need to get the job done. The God we serve is more than enough. Don't ever forget that. Oh, real quick, by the way, two things just popped in my head. It is Mission Sunday. Uh, Christina Chow's out there, but also our missions table's out there as well. If you want to get involved in missions, you'll see it uh, right in the midst of stuff. And also on the 21st, we have our cocoa and Christmas decoration here. I think it's 5 o'clock. Show up, get cocoa, put decorations up. It'll be great. If I don't do that, I'll 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 be a dead man. That's all I'm going to say about that. The God we serve is more than enough. Don't you love abundance? Don't you love when you get to experience things that are more than enough? I remember we were youth pastoring in Brooksville, Florida, just out of school. I you know, went behind the ears, didn't know what I was doing. I had all this Greek fire, didn't know what to do. It was just nuts. Uh, we had Greek fire and no money because in ministry, you know, they help us in ministry. When you get into ministry, they help us by keeping us from the evils of a high-paying job. That's their spiritual duty for us. We don't want you to get, you know, get too. we're going to keep you dependent on God. Thank you, everybody. They do, youth pastors, they do that. By the way, Tyler, I love your shoes today. They're fire. I'm learning new, did I use that right? I'm learning new terms. We were, yesterday, we went to the orchard, and I'm talking to a few of the kids, Khaki, I think it was Khaki, at, at the well. And she goes, oh, you have to try the fire donuts. And I go, the fire, like to make those over the open fire? She goes, no, the fire donuts. And I'm like, I don't understand. (laughs) And she goes, no, no, the donuts, they're fire. You know what fire means? How many of you are old? If you're 40 and over, put your hand up. Okay. Fire means good. Everybody say good. So, for example, like her shoes, we'd say, those shoes are? Fire. You're welcome. Okay. (laughs) I just brought you a little bit of culture. So, when I was a youth pastor in Relevant and Hip 150 years ago, and I knew those terms, we got invited to a, a family's house for dinner. Now, when you don't make any money, and it's just you guys, you go to whoever invites you over for dinner. So we went, went to their house, and they said, we hope you like lobster. How many of you like lobster? Now, I like lobster, but we didn't buy lobster because we, were, we didn't have any money. And they did this thing. They were divers, and they would go dive, and they would lobster hunt. They would grab lobsters off the bottom of the I didn't even know you could do this. They would, they would lobster fish. They called it fishing, but it looks a more like hunting to me, but it is what it is. And they would do this two or three times a year, and they would fill their freezers with lobster. So I remember sitting down, and they had this huge, just this big pot filled with lobsters. It looked like a canning pot. You know what I'm talking about? The big one. And they just kept pulling lobster out after lobster out. And I ate so much lobster, I was almost getting sick. But I persevered. I went through it, and I did. And it was like the great, I mean, butter was, you know how you eat the butter? Butter was like down my face. It was the greatest thing ever. And I remember leaving the, talking to Robin going, man, I said, you know, we, we got to do this again. We got to make sure we go out with them." And then God called us to Pittsburgh. We never had lobster again. <laughs> never. never. We never had lobster again. How many of you love when you have something like that that you love and you just don't have a little portion of it, but it's just, it's there and it just keeps going and going and going and going. Do you know that the God we serve is more than enough? He's more than enough. He gives us everything we need, not just to to, to the brink. The God we serve is a God of abundance. When Jesus promised us life, what type of life did he promise us? What? Abundant. Abundant life. That's more life than you could ever think or imagine. So the God we serve is a God of abundance. He gives us more than enough in every aspect of our lives. God gives us more than enough to satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. He gives us more than enough to supply all of our needs. You follow God, God will always supply all of your needs. He will. He he even gives us more than enough, again, supernaturally, when we don't even have enough hope. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you didn't have hope? Then God breathes life back into you and he says, son, daughter, get up. It's going to be better tomorrow. The God that we serve loves us so much, he gives us more than we need. As long as we come to him for our source. So this entire month, we're going to talk about the God that is more than enough. This week, we talk about the God, again, the God that we serve that satisfies the desires of our heart. Do you know that your heart is important to God? It is. Those things that you feel, the longings that you feel in your heart, do you know who put those longings there? God did. He created you to feel the things that you feel. He created you to love. He created you to interact with them, not just in a physical way. But in a relational way and in a supernatural way, in a soul type of a way. He created your emotions. Sometimes we think as, as humans, you come to the church and you have to shut your emotions off. How many of you grew up in a church that didn't really value emotions? I grew up Greek Orthodox, and this is how emotional we got in the Greek church. Uh, and then when church was over, the Greeks, we smashed plates. But you couldn't do that in church, that's just how it worked. The God that we serve created your emotions, he built your emotions he built the desires in your heart and he created you to be satisfied by him a god that we, the god that we serve loves us so much he creates us again to have everything we could ever want and to have the source of that satisfaction be him i remember a few years ago i was uh, my associate pastor and i and he came into my office one day jody and he goes hey he goes, let's go on a hike I love hiking and backpack camping. You get up in a couple days, you get lost in the mountains, and you come back. I said, I'll go hiking with this That's fine. I said, just set it up. Tell me what time to be there. Let's get you, will get rolling, we'll go whatever. So we went on. I still remember the Colorado Trail was up in the mountains. We had a dry, a dry summer. Uh, usually in Colorado, you you kind of everything's about the water there. It's the high desert. So Jody got out his little map. We got all our little gear. We were gonna be on the Colorado Trail for two, two days. Uh, he factored it would be about maybe four or five miles. You know, about three, four miles in, three, four miles out, easy peasy lemon squeezy. So we got into our stuff. He got the map. I got all my backpack stuff. We took enough water to get us to these streams, and we would just, you know, continue to fill our water among these streams. So we're up there. It's a beautiful day up, and the sun's bright and it's shining, and we're walking, and everything's great, and we got our packs on, and we're just, we are just admiring God's creation. It's just the greatest thing ever. If you've never gone backpack camping and stuff like that, I want to encourage you. Get it done. Do it. It's fun. So we started walking, and it was beautiful. And I, you know, you can kind of tell when you're walking a long time, and and it may be a little bit longer than you think. I'm expecting my head about a two-mile hike to our camp spot. Again, it's remote, middle nowhere. This is not a KOA. You know, uh, Yogi Bear is not there to welcome you with a picnic basket. He's just not there. Just you and some squirrels and a couple errand sasquatch, and we're walking. And we're near about two, three miles, and I notice we're still walking. And I, I, I guess, Jody, are we, are we getting close to where we're supposed to be? Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's just right up around, around, around the corner up here. So we're walking, and then he goes, well, There should be a stream up here. We can kind of fill up our water because we're getting a little bit low on, on our water. So we get up to a dry stream bed. And I went, Huh, that stinks. It's just kind of dry. He goes, Yeah, but there's so many up here. We'll, we'll be fine. So we keep walking. We keep walking. We keep walking. And we come to the next stream bed, and it's dry. And we keep walking. And we keep walking, and we keep walking, and I'm realizing something. I said, Jody, I said, for a two-mile hike, we've been walking for like three hours. I don't know how slow you. I'm pretty slow, but I don't think we're this slow. And I said, well, What does your map say? Let me see your map. What does your map say? And he pulls out this map that he he printed off his screen on the internet, and it's basically it looked like a little snake line, and it's that big. And he goes, Well, here's the map here. I said, Well, Jody, that, that's, you just printed off the screen. He goes, he goes, Well, he goes, The scale on the thing said one inch equals this. And he goes, So I figured there's about three, that's probably about three miles. I looked at he I said, Jody, you see that number right next to it? It said Colorado Trail, 26 miles. It was a 26 mile hike. You told me, you lied to me. You know, I'm, we're going to die here. Then you started thinking stuff, Did he bring me here to die? You ever think of stuff like that? So we're probably about eight or nine miles in. We're out of water. It's a hot, heavy day. I'm complaining and grumpy because I probably am too big to be on this trail. And I'm like, Jody, we have to make a decision. We either gotta continue to move forward, pray we find water, or we gotta go back. I know what's behind us, but I don't know what's in front of us. And he's like, no, no, it'll be fine, it'll be great. I said, okay, you got about another, about another half hour of walking. So we started walking a half hour, kept going where we were gonna go. All of a sudden, we come across these two hikers. we would not seen a soul all day, which is also a bad sign. If you don't see anybody, it's a bad sign. So, these two guys came walking up and they kind of got that kind of geeky kind of look. You know what I'm talking about? They had like the flannel stuff and it was kind of, they had a hat on. It's 150 degrees and they have a tussle cap on. I'm like, what's going on with these guys? So, I, we're talking to the guys. He goes, hey, man. Go, how are you guys liking the hike? He it's great, man. I said, I said, hey, just my chance, is there water up there? They go, sure, sure, sure. And I'm like, Did, does that mean there's water up there? I couldn't tell. I said, so there's water up there? They go, oh, sure, sure, sure. And they just walked past us. I looked at Joey. and said, what does that mean? Have you ever talked to somebody, you know what it means? So we're in our valley of decision again. And Jody says, You know, I'm just telling you, give it another 10 minutes. We'll be fine. I said, Okay, Jody, but if I die out here, I'm going to make you drag my heavy body all the way out of this trail. My penance. So we start walking, and I'll never forget this. We start walking, and all of a sudden we come around this bend, and I start to hear what sounds like the trickle of water. Have you ever heard water? And then as we got closer, I remember on the other side, I started to, started to smell. Have you ever smelled water? Like the rain's coming? And we came around the bend, and I still remember, the sound got louder, the smell got stronger, and there in front of us was this beautiful mountain stream coming off this waterfall, and it looked like you know, like a commercial. It was just beautiful. It was like a picture. And I remember going in there, and we both stuck our heads in there, and you went, you know, get all cool, you know, stuff like that. And we decided to pinch our tent, you know, right there next to the water source, we stayed there for two days. It was beautiful. And I remember sitting, it was, we were amongst some pines, and we were sitting in the soft pine needles around a nice fire, and I was completely content. I looked at Jody, he looked at me, and said, Man, I said this, this is good, I'm glad that we did this. Didn't see a soul for the next two days. You ever finally get something that you were craving, something that you were needing? Maybe it's a cool glass of water like for me on that hike that day. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's that thing that you were longing for. You know, your bodies were created to need water. That's why you get thirsty. And is there anything better than getting a cool drink on a hot day when you're thirsty, when you're parched, when you've gone without? God created our bodies to need those things. And just like we need water, and just like we need food, and just like we need pizza. I just threw that in there for me. God created us to need him. Created us to taste him. In fact, when you taste God, again, when you, when you taste him, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Something uh, in our body, something in our souls interacts with tasting God and they say, this is the real deal. This is the one. This is that thing I've been looking for. When you taste, you see that he's good. In fact, we as people spend our entire lives looking for substitutes sometimes to fill that thing that satisfies us. But only God fills that hole. Jesus is the real thing. He's not fake. He's the real deal. He's the name brand, baby. For example, how many of you like pop? Do you even know what I'm talking about when I say pop? Do you call it soda? How many of you call it pop? Oh, dear Lord. How many of you call it soda? We'll compromise. Soda pop. We'll call it soda pop. So how many of you, when you look at Cola, you can go to the next slide. These are the two big brands. How many Coke people are in here? How many Pepsi people are in here? That's right. So my mother, she was a pop person, a soda pop person. She loved pop, except we had this problem. My mother was a name brand person, but she didn't believe that me and my brother were valuable enough to get the name brand. So she was a Coke, Pepsi, Diet Coke, how many of you remember Tab? Ugh, remember Tab? So they would get, she would get Coke and Pepsi and we would get stuff like this. Diet Dr. Perky, Hmm. No. right? Mountain Lion, well yeah, sure, ah, right? And my mother all the time would say, there's no big difference. And I'd say, taste this, there's a difference. If there was no difference, we, you would be drinking the Diet Dr. Perky, but you're not. You're drinking Coke, right? You know, you have the, right, the name brand and the substitute. When it comes to finding God, sometimes, guys, we, we, we settle for the name brand. We settle for the things that aren't quite the real deal. So as believers, how do you know when you have the real deal or not? How do you know when you're drinking spiritual Pepsi or you're drinking... Dr. Perky. How do you know? You live a satisfied life. Your life reflects how you've connected to God and the God that you've connected with. It does. Your life tells the story. So what are the marks of a satisfied life? What does it look like for you and I to live a satisfied life with him? If you've got your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 58. If you've got your app, uh, turn on the app and you get all my notes. If you're on the U version of the Bible, look for live events. You get Look for Trinity Community Church. These are the marks of a satisfied life. Isaiah 58, 11 says this. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters don't fail. So what are the marks of a satisfied life? I want to give you a few things that you can kind of anchor to so that when you come to God you can look at yourself reflect on these things and say okay i'm moving in the right direction with God i'm connected with God in the right way again he's the vine what are we the branches, the branches. these are practical things for us first a satisfied life is un- it understands and is open to God's direction we allow God to direct our lives God is the lead, we're not the lead. We don't ask God to bless our path, we find God's path and we walk in it. Look at the passage again. This is how they put it. It says, and the Lord will guide you continually. How often will God guide you? Continually. Continually. If you ask him, he'll guide you. He'll get you exactly where you need to go. When you live a life that is satisfied with God, you trust the direction that he's taking your life. Now understand this as believers, we don't see all things. This is why God guides us. We don't see everything. And we have to trust that God positions us and he puts us in places that will allow our destiny to unfold in front of us, even sometimes when things don't make sense. How many of you believe that God created you to be something? How many of you know that God created you to do something? Do you know that God takes an active part in getting you to where you need to go if you let him. Has anybody here ever been uncomfortable with the path God has taken them on? Maybe you're just praying. You're like, Lord, I know you have a plan. It would be great if you could share with me your plan for me, right? If I could just take a peek at that map, that would be great. Have you ever been there? I mean, let's just be real. All of us are fine with God's directions, with his direction for our life, as long as we understand it and it kind of grooves with what we want to do. How many of you know that God loves you so much, sometimes he is not concerned as much with your comfort as he is with you fulfilling your purpose? Sometimes what you have to do to fulfill your purpose will put you in uncomfortable situations. How many of you love working out? How many of you work out so you can get into those pants? How many of you are like, you know, Thanksgiving for some of you is like this joy celebration. Some of you are like, I got to get down to this amount before Thanksgiving because I know what's coming into me after Thanksgiving to the first of the year, right? The calorie intake is going to be phenomenal, right? Beloved, God loves us so much he prepares us to be the people that he created us to be. But sometimes when it comes to direction, we're great until the road gets a little bit bumpy, Right? When the road gets bumpy, we're like, God, I know you're steering, but if I could just take that wheel a little bit, that would be great. Right? Because we don't understand everything. We don't see everything like God does. He's God, we're not. I've told you guys this story before. You know, when I first moved to Colorado, my office, right in my office window, you could see the Rocky Mountains, snow-capped Rocky Mountains all the time. One day I was there and the kids, all the family, I was flying back and forth out of Chicago. We had not sold our house yet. And I decided, I had some time, I said, I'm just going to drive up to the mountains. The road right in front of the church Went right into the mountains. It looked like it was right in front of the mountains. So I'm just going to take this road and go to those mountains. So I get on that road, I get in the car, and I start driving, 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 driving. I don't know how far those mountains are. I'm just driving, 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 driving. All of a sudden, the road stops. It tees. It goes this way or this way. I look up, the mountains are in front of me, but I have no idea how to get up into those mountains. So I pull off into a little gas station. I asked the guy, I said, Hey, I'm trying to get to those mountains. He goes, Yeah, that road doesn't go there. I said, The road that I'm on, I go, Yeah, but it goes right there. He goes, But it doesn't go there. I said, I figured that out. That's why I'm talking to you. I said, can you tell me the road that I need to get on to go there? Because goes, that road's way over there. I said, but that leads away from the mountains. He goes, it does for a little bit, but then it circles back around, comes into the footholds, you go through this canyon, and it takes you to the mountains. I said, so you're telling me that road over there that goes that way is going to get me there? He said, yes, what's the problem? I said, nothing. I got in the car, followed his advice, and within about 35 minutes, I was in Evergreen, Colorado at the top of one of those mountains, licking an ice cream cone. (laughs) True story. Thanking God that I'd asked for directions. Sometimes the road that you think you need to be on to get to where you think you need to go isn't the road you need to be on. God loves you so much, he puts you where you need to be. Are you yielded to God's direction for your life? A satisfied life yields to God's direction. Sometimes that road that he has you on may look like it's going the opposite direction. Beloved, that's the time when you have to dig in and you have to trust more. Proverbs 3, 5 puts it this way. Trust in the Lord completely and don't rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he'll lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him wherever you go and he'll lead you wherever you go. The best thing you can do when it comes to the direction of your life is get as close to Jesus as possible. Get as close as you can to him and allow him to take the lead. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the lead. A satisfied life, trust God's direction. So if you're in your life right now and you're thinking and you're maybe a little bit anxious about the direction of your life, take a step back, get close to Jesus. Say, Lord, will you bring me back into alignment with your heart so I'm not anxious, so I'm satisfied? Second, a satisfied life, when it comes to God, when you're connected and you're satisfied, has desires that are fulfilled. You heard me say this earlier. God gave you desires. He put things in your heart. He put dreams in your heart. All of these dreams, these things that he puts in your heart are good. When you're in alignment with God's heart, he satisfies you and he brings these desires back to life. Look at the passage again. It says this. It says, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. Now this is interesting. What's a scorched place? A scorched place is a place that shouldn't be able to produce or to to sustain anything, like a desert. So how can you be satisfied in a place like that, in a desert place? Simple. You can be satisfied in scorched lands because the scorched land, your environment, is not your source. Do you know as believers, the environment that you're in is not your source? Our source goes deeper than that. If you need to be in a perfect environment to experience peace, you don't have true peace. Peace doesn't come from your surroundings. Peace comes from the Spirit of God that's inside of you. That's why he gives us peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense. If everything in your apartment or your house has to be pointed a certain direction... Everything's got to be perfect for you to experience peace or for you to experience any type of joy or desire. Beloved, you are connected to the wrong source. You don't have a well that digs deep into the heart of God. You're getting just surface water, and you never want to live off surface water. Never, ever, ever, ever. Because you know, with surface water comes gook and junk. Surface water makes you dependent on others. Don't ever be dependent on your environment to fulfill the desires of your heart. That's God's department. If you live, a, a, again, a fulfilled life, a satisfied life with God, your source can only come from God. Psalm 37, 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. What does it mean to, de- to, to delight yourself in the Lord? That means this, make him your source and all the other things will flow. God will shift things. Now, some of you struggle with the desires of your heart, with desires, things that you want to do. And you pray and you pray and you pray and you, pray, and you don't see any. Movement, you don't see any traction. You know sometimes why you don't see movement and traction when it comes to the desires of your heart? They're not part of of God's heart for you. They're your thing. Have you ever laid down all your dreams and your desires in front of God and said, Lord, does this line up with who you want me to be? I can tell you this right now. If I could choose anything, anything else to do other than this, I would do it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy this. It doesn't mean that I don't feel fulfilled when I do this. You gotta be crazy to try to lead people somewhere. You gotta be nuts. Look around. You know what you, know, look, you, know what you see? Opinions. You know what you see? Trouble. You know what you see? You know, what did Jesus say the greatest miracle is? That we can do what? Love each other. You know why? He knows us. How many of you have trouble just, you know, trouble just loving the people in your house? <laughs> Can I get a witness? There's only two of you, cold fleshes. It's just you and your wife. Cats, oh, you're the cats. The cats. That's the cats. I get it. It's the cats. Chris, it all makes sense now. This is how God works. So I take with me you know lord i prayed that that prayer that some of you prayed lord whatever you want me to do i'll do for you he takes it i'm yielded then he reveals to me how he created me and the things that he's fulfilled me to do so this does become the desire of my heart and i am fulfilled funny thing about doing stuff like we do here whether you pay people or not if you're doing your thing you're going to do your thing right does that make sense Some of you have lost your joy. Some of you have lost the joy of the desires of your heart. You don't know what to do with it. You know why you've lost it? You've disconnected yourself to the Father. Something got in there and it just disconnected you. And other things became your source. Maybe money became your source. Maybe, you know, needing people's approval became your source. Maybe not feeling pain. Became your source. That was the, that's the rudder to your life now. i got to position myself so I won't get hurt again. When anything other than God becomes your source, you can't live a satisfied life. So do me a favor. Shut your eyes for a second. I don't know where you're at right now, but if you happen to be in that place, and maybe somehow, some way, you've got disconnected from the source, allow the Holy Spirit right now just to reconnect you. Talk to him. Say, Lord, will you show me The things that I've replaced with you as my source. Again, the Holy Spirit, He speaks to you just like He speaks to me. Listen to Him. Allow Him to reconnect you to joy. Allow Him to reconnect you to peace. Allow the dreams that He put within your heart to take root again and to grow and to flourish. All right, let's keep going. So a satisfied life trusts God's direction. You don't have to understand it, beloved. You just got to trust. Get in the back seat of that car. Stop saying to, by the way, stop saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? How many of you like that when your kids do that to you? God doesn't like that either. Don't do that, right? Second, a satisfied life has God as their source. He's the source of our desires, our heart. Third, a satisfied life is a durable life. Those that are rooted in Christ, those that are satisfied with God, we are strong, strong believers. We're strong people. Guys, beloved, being a fully devoted follower of Christ is not for the weak at heart. Look at the passage. The passage puts it this way. It says, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. What does it mean for you and I to have strong bones? Well, the Hebrew word here for for strength or for bone, for these strong bones, is estem, which actually means this, substance, self, or bone. That means this, God will, will take you as a person and make the substance who you are strong. Why does God need to make us strong as believers? How many of you know that life is full of ups and downs? And as believers, we cannot be thrown around like a little boat on the waves of the ocean. We have to be constant, we have to be strong. Have you ever experienced life's ups and downs? All those things that God brings us sometimes. How many of you can relate to that picture? Have you ever noticed that being a fully devoted follower of Christ is not boring? If your faith is boring, you're connected to the wrong source. You are, faith with Jesus, again, is not boring and following Jesus, does not give you a card that makes you exempt from pain. It doesn't. What sets you apart as a believer is how we deal with and how we navigate life's ups and downs, how we deal with how we navigate with pain. As believers, we're not expected just to face those things like everything else, like everybody else. As believers, we're expected to be victorious. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. How do you know that you're part of the thing? You are more than a conqueror. As believers, that's what we're supposed to be. So have you ever asked yourself this question? Why does God allow believers to have trouble? Why does he allow us to experience pain? Now, some of you, you you may have come to Christ, and somebody may have told you again that, uh, that, you know, as a believer, you won't experience that stuff. If somebody told you that, they lied to you. I'd find them, I'd hunt them down and beat them with a stick. Don't do that, please. Pastor Jesus, I can beat you with a stick. Don't do that. Why do we experience pain? Why does God allow us as believers to experience pain? pain first, we can experience it because we can take it. You know why? Your bones are strong. You are steady. Your roots are deep. They go deeper than the surface. We go to the source who is God. You can take pain. You can take calamity. God built us with that. And you know one of the biggest reasons we can do it is because he's with us. You never face anything alone. Again, if you came to Christ and somebody told you that all your problems would go away, you were lied to. God doesn't make your problems go away. He inserts himself as a solution to our problems and we never walk or face anything alone. We get the greatest thing that he has himself. And when God stands with you, beloved, you're stronger than you think you are. The things that you endure now, I'm telling you right now, there's more in the tank, there's more things that you can do. Isaiah 43 puts it this way. It says, but now thus saith the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you're mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames will not consume you. Do you know why it won't happen? Because your bones are strong. So as believers, we're not flighty. We're not thrown around like the wind and the waves, flow, throw other people around. We're strong because we're rooted in God. Second, this is why you know, bad things happen to us sometimes. God allows us to go through these things to show others what's possible with God. You're a living epistle. Paul called you a living epistle. You know what that is? That's a living book of God's faithfulness. People should be able to look at your life and see how you interact with God, and they should be able to take their P's and Q's from how you interact with God. Our lives are a story to others. Do you know that God will point people that are struggling with things, people that are on roads, that are up and down, do you know that God will direct them sometimes to you, to your story, and to your life, to show them, again, all the things that are possible for those that believe in him. This is why at Trinity we have our big three, Again, we love God and people extravagantly. Two, we're we're, we're committed to growing in our faith and helping others to grow in theirs. And third, we're committed to sharing our faith and our stories, our lives with everybody else around us. Why? Because your testimony, your story is a powerful thing. God will use that to help people along. Why? Because people are watching you. People are watching how you handle certain things, beloved. And your life, the story of your life is doing one of two things. It's either leading people to Christ or away from him. Where does your life lead people? If you couldn't speak and all people could, how many remember the Truman Show, the movie The Truman Show, and all people could do was watch the story of your life, where would you lead people if all they could do is watch the story of your life? A satisfied life, again, God will allow these things to happen in our lives to show people the way to go. First Peter 2.12 says this, live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers, even though they accuse you of being evildoers. Sound familiar? For they'll see your beautiful works and have a reason to glorify God in that day when he visits us. Colossians 4.5 says this, walk in the wisdom of God as you live before non-belie- or unbelievers and make it your duty to make him known. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. For then you'll be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. We live in a way, in a broken world, with ups and downs, constant. We are steady, we're constant. Why? Because a satisfied life means that your bones are strong. Fourth, a satisfied life will develop good fruit. It's God's heart that you and I develop fruit. Good fruit not just fruit. Look at the passage. It says it this way. It says, and you shall be like a watered garden. How many of you are gardeners? How many of you know what happens when you put too much water in your garden? Not enough to kill everything, but when you, if, if, if your plants get sunlight and water, what do they do? They grow. So this year I did something I swore I wasn't going to do. I put in three tomato plants. Because how many of you know that tomatoes can go crazy? I only had three. Then my brother Dan Varnell blessed me with three more. Now I don't know what he did to his tomato plants. He's got his own crossbred things. They're like, I don't know if he infused them with plutonium, I don't know what he did. But his three tomato plants almost, they didn't just take over my garden, they almost took out the whole block. And they were juicy and they were disease resistant. And for every one tomato I got from the other ones, I got like 10 from Dan's plants. I don't know how and I don't know why. They're good plants, they were healthy, healthy things grow and they produced fruit. Fruit is a way for you and I to determine if we're growing the way that we're supposed to. All of us produce fruit. The question is this, what type of fruit are you producing? Are you producing good fruit or bad fruit? Matthew 12, puts it this way, it says, you, you must determine if a tree is good or rotten. You can recognize good trees by their delicious fruit. But if you find a rotten fruit, you can be certain that the tree is rotten. The fruit defines the tree. Now, when you look at that from a spiritual perspective, again, that means this. All of us have the capacity to produce good fruit, and all of us have the capacity to produce bad fruit. Now, one of the spiritual gifts that most of us as believers, one of the things that most of us possess, is the ability to inspect other people's fruit. How many of you are great at inspecting other people's fruit? That person there is bad. That person there stinks. Why? I'm just inspecting their fruit, pastor. Most of us are great at seeing rotten fruit in others, but very rarely do we do inspections of our own fruit. When's the last time you did your own fruit inspection? You looked at the fruit that you produce. I mean, you really looked at it and you said, this is good. This is bad. Every person in this room today, right now, you have the capacity to produce bad fruit. Why? Because we all wrestle with the flesh. So what does good fruit and bad fruit look like? Well, turn to Galatians real quick. Galatians 5, starting in verse 19, lays out for us what fruit inspection looks like. It's interesting. Look at verse 19. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, here's that desire word again. Right? This is what bad fruit looks like. The results are very clear, uh, clear. Sexual immorality. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now, if you're like me, you looked at that list and you knocked a couple of those right off. Pfft, I, don't do pfft, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't I don't do that. But then a couple of those little pieces of fruit start to get a little close. Now I know nobody in this room ever, ever has to deal with selfish ambition, right? We've conquered, we've slayed that dragon, right? I know nobody in this room has ever you know, been a part of dissension or division or had outbursts of anger. Any road ragers in here? Don't raise your hand. It's a trick question. I told you guys the story. It's like one of my favorite stories. And I told the person that happened to I said, just so you know, I'm going to tell this story with my last breath. I ride into our church one morning, I'm on my bike, and I'm just putting along, and apparently I wasn't going fast enough for the person in the minivan behind me. They whip around, they go on the side, and as they pass me, they give me the one-way signal to heaven, the middle finger. And as they do that, I recognize the person, and they mouth behind the window, Pastor? And what was great is we were going to the same location. We pulled into the church, and they had to Pastor, I've had a bad morning. I said, that's okay. She goes, now, you're not going to tell anybody about this. I said, no, I'm going to tell everybody about this. I said, they'll never know your name, but we'll know. <laughs> and the kids in the back were like, we saw it too, Pastor. And I was like, no, we don't need to do that. How serious are you about your fruit? When's the last time you laid this list down and you said, Holy Spirit, will you show me if there's seeds like this in my heart? And God, will you be ruthless to take those things out so that I can be fruitful, good fruit? Now, here's what you can't do. You can't read this list and then consider yourself, you know, I'm the lowest of the low of the low. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, but the Holy Spirit does convict us. He loves you so much, he doesn't want you to stay this way. So this is part of the, the fruit inspection that we do. Look at verse 22. But there's a good side to this too. Here's the good side. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Good fruit. Now you may also notice on the other side, you may say, man, I knock it out of the park with, with kindness. I knock it out of the park with gentleness. How, some, most of the, the struggle points, you know, sometimes patience, depending on who that person is, again, how people treat you has no bearing on how you treat them. Every time I need to pray for patience, usually I get a letter in the mail from the DMV. <laughs> Nothing tests your patience like the DMV, right? What is God producing in your life? Don't be afraid to inspect your own fruit. What type of fruit are you producing? Not only can you judge other trees by their fruit, you can judge your tree by your fruit. So do me a favor. You have homework today. Some point this week, I want you to sit down with that, with that passage opened up and allow the Holy Spirit to inspect the fruit of your life. Why? Because a satisfied life produces good fruit. Let's finish the thing up. So again, when you have a satisfied life, this is what your life looks like. This is what a life marked being satisfied looks like. You allow God to direct your life. God fulfills your desires. Delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you the desires of your heart. You are durable. Your bones are strong. You are not flaky. You are not wishy-washy. You're planted firm and people can just connect to your faith. And fourth, you develop the right type of fruit. We're good fruit inspectors. We start with ourselves, not everybody else. And then finally, your faith is dependable. You're faithful. You're people of your word. You're constant, you're steady. You do what God asks you to do. Look at the passage. It says it this way. It says, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched, in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. We don't fail. The gospel inside of us. God inside of you does not fail. We are constant people. That doesn't mean we're not going to screw up. That doesn't mean we're not going to have problems. That doesn't mean that we're not going to, you know, every once in a while lose that battle. But what that means is this. Again, God will use us. He will raise you up. And regardless, if you're beat that first time or not, you're going to stand back up and we're going to get this thing done because the God we serve is faithful and God's heart of faithfulness is supposed to flow from us, from him to us, to others. Where does that start for us? Well, it's these springs that never fail. These things that bubble up inside of us. That spring, the power inside of us that is God's power, it's not based in us, it's based in him. And how many of you know that God is faithful? If the God we serve is faithful and he lives inside of us, God helps us to be faithful. There's a great story about this, about this, this, this water that doesn't run dry in John chapter four. Jesus has an encounter with a Samaritan woman. How many of you remember the story? He's where he shouldn't be, talking to somebody he shouldn't be talking to about things that they're not supposed to be able to understand. God loves to mess with our paradigm. Jesus did it before he's still doing it. Turn to John 4 real quick. Let's read this story together. It says, The news quickly reached the Jewish religious leaders, known as the Pharisees, that Jesus was drawing greater crowds and followers uh, that were coming to be baptized in John. Although Jesus himself didn't baptize, but only his disciples. Kind of interesting, huh? Did you hear that, that thing there? Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Jesus arrived in the Samaritan village of Sicar, uh, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Wearied by his long journey, he sat at the edge of Jacob's well. He sent for the disciples to go into the village to buy food, for it was already noon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw the water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Verse 9, she she replied, why would a Jewish man ask me, ask uh, a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus replied, if you only knew uh, who I am and the gift of God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and the well is very deep. Where would you find this living water? Verse 12, do you really think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, but if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks, from the, li- drinks the living water that I give them, they will never be thirsty again. For when they drink the water I give, I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. So that that water doesn't just come in and just sustain you for a moment, but God lets this thing kind of build within you—constant, steady, faithful. The waters never run dry; they don't. So why does God put that fountain inside of us? Why does God give us permission to stay connected to the source of who He is—the one that never runs dry? By the way. Um, as long as you stay connected to God, he's the vine where the branches. That source of life is a, is a promise to you. Now how many of you have ever felt dry? How many of you have ever felt weary? How many of you have ever felt empty? Why do you think sometimes we feel that way? Do you think it's a God problem or an us problem? Anytime you feel dry, you feel weary, you feel empty. Guys, it's not rocket science. Usually it means that we've pulled away from the source. Usually that means we're trying to drink from another well, or we're not even drinking from God hardly at all. Anytime, I'm just gonna, maybe this will help with some of my pastoral counseling load. Anytime you send me an email, you call me, say, Pastor, I just, I just feel dry, I just feel weird, I don't know what to do. When you sit in my chair, the first thing I'm going to ask you is this, I'm going to say, how was your time with God? Eight times out of 10, most people look down and go, oh, it's just not very good. And I say, go talk to Jesus next, because he's the solution. Why aren't you talking to Jesus? Well, I've got problems. We have so many of the kids are crazy. I understand that. Talk to Jesus. Next. How many of you know that we make time for what is a priority in our life? He is the priority of your life. Get connected to him. When you're connected to the source, life fills your body. Beloved, you are not a pond, you're a river. That means we got things coming in and we always have things going out. Why did God put a babbling brook, water, the Holy Spirit, gushing up inside of you just for you so you can say, This is awesome, this is great? Why did God give you all this stuff? It's not just about you. See, overflow for others. That water is not just for you. He gives you everything you need for you and for somebody else. Why? Because the God we serve is more than enough. Look at the rest of this story. Look at uh, verse 39. Says this, many Samaritans from the village became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, and they begged Jesus to stay with him. So he stayed there for two days. Verse 41, resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his message. And look at verse 42. This is just amazing to me. The Samaritan said to the woman, Now we've heard him for ourselves, we no longer believe just because of what he told you, of what you told us, but we're convinced that he really is the true savior of the world. So God used her. The overflow, she couldn't contain it. She had to tell everybody else to connect them to who? The source. Now we believe it for ourselves. And guess what? They also became lives that were sustained by God. That's how this works. God uses our life to speak to others. A sustained life is a life that is dependable and consistent. Why? because that water, that bubbling brook comes up inside of us. It never runs dry. That means that you and I can continue to love and can continue to love and can continue to love regardless of the situation, regardless of the pool. Why? We don't give from our stuff. We give from the overflow. Stay connected to the source. Be dependable. Does that sound like your spiritual life? Does that sound like who you are? Are you living a satisfied life? When you look at your faith, you sit back and go, this is good. Or is there some angst? Are there issues in there? This is a great opportunity for you to, again, get close to the Spirit and allow God to put you on the path that He wants you to be on. Shut your eyes for a second. Bow your heads real quick. Let's just take one more minute and talk to the Holy Spirit this morning. What does your life reflect this morning, beloved? When it comes to direction, does God have the wheel of your life? Or are you kicking against the goads? Has God fulfilled your desires? Is He able to do what He wants to do through your life? Is your life yielded to Him? Is He your source? Are you durable? Is your faith durable or are you wishy-washy? God wants your bones to be strong. It's a work of the Spirit. Are you developing the right type of fruit? Are you developing good fruit that people can see and eat? Are you faithful? Are you faithful in the little things? Talk to the Holy Spirit right now. Just say, Lord, will you show me if I'm lacking in any of these areas, in any of these places? And show me exactly what you want me to do to fix it. Listen to him. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.